Chapter Eleven of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Eleven. If there be cure or charm to respite or relieve or slack the pain of this ill mansion. Milton. Time which generally alleviates ordinary distresses, served only to augment the severity of Lady Juliana's as day after day rolled heavily on and found her still an inmate of Glenfern Castle. Destitute of very resource in herself, she yet turned with contempt from the scanty sources of occupation or amusement that were suggested by others, and Mrs. Douglas's attempts to teach her to play at chess and read Shakespeare were as unsuccessful as the endeavors of the good aunts to persuade her to study Fordyce's sermons and make baby linen. In languid dejection or fretful repinings did the unhappy beauty therefore consume the tedious hours, while her husband sought alternately to soothe with fondness he no longer felt, or flatter with hopes which he knew to be groundless. To his father alone could he now look for any assistance, and from him he was not likely to obtain it in the form he desired, as the old gentleman repeatedly declared his utter inability to advance him any ready money, or to allow him more than a hundred a year, moreover to be paid quarterly, a sum which could not defray their expenses to London. Such was the state of affairs when the laird one morning entered the dining-room with a face of much importance, and addressed his son with— well, Harry, you're a lucky man, and it's an ill wind that blows nobody good. Here's poor McLoshin, gone like snow off a dyke. McLoshin gone, exclaimed Miss Grizzy. Impossible, brother. It was only yesterday I sent him a blister for his back. And I said, Miss Jackie, talked to him for upwards of two hours last night on the impropriety of his allowing his daughter to wear white gowns on Sunday. By my troth, and that was enough to kill any man, muttered the laird. How I am to derive any benefit from this important demise is more than I can perceive, said Henry in a somewhat contemptuous tone. You see, replied his father, that by our agreement his farm falls vacant in consequence. And I hope I am to succeed to it, replied the son with a smile of derision. Exactly. By my faith, but you have a bein downs it. There's three thousand and seventy-five acres of as good sheep-walk as any in the whole countryside, and I shall advance you stocking and steading, and everything complete, to your very peat-stacks. What do you think of that? Slapping his son's shoulder and rubbing his own hands with delight as he spoke. Horror-struck at a scheme which appeared to him a thousand times worse than anything his imagination had ever painted, poor Henry stood in speechless consternation while charming, excellent, delightful, was echoed by the ants as they crowded round, wishing him joy and applauding their brother's generosity. What will our sweet niece say to this, I wonder, said the innocent Grizzy, who in truth wondered none. I would like to see her face when she hears it. And her own was puckered into various shapes of delight. I have no doubt but her good sense will teach her to appreciate properly the blessings of her lot, observed the more reflective Jackie. She has had her own good luck, quoth the sententious Nicky, to find such a down set all cut and dry. At that instant the door opened, and the favoured individual in question entered. 
In vain Douglas strove to impose silence on his father and aunts. The latter sat, bursting with impatience, to break out into exclamation, while the former, advancing to his fair daughter-in-law, saluted her as Lady Clackendow. Then the torrent burst forth, and stupefied with surprise, Lady Juliana suffered herself to be kissed and hugged by the whole host of aunts and nieces, while the very walls seemed to reverberate with the shouts, and the pugs and macaw, who never failed to take part in every commotion, began to bark and scream in chorus. The old gentleman, clapping his hands to his ears, rushed out of the room. His son, cursing his aunts and everything around him, kicked Cupid, and gave the macaw a box on the ear as he also quitted the apartment, with more appearance of anger than he had ever yet betrayed. The tumult at length began to subside. The macaw's screams gave place to a low, quavering croak, and the insulted pug's yells yielded to a gentle whine. The ant's obstreperous joy began to be chastened with fear for the consequences that might follow an abrupt disclosure, and while Lady Juliana condoled with her favourites, it was concerted between the prudent aunts that the joyful news should be broke to their niece in the most cautious manner possible. For that purpose Mrs. Grizzy and Jackie seated themselves on each side of her, and after duly preparing their voices by sundry small hems, Miss Grizzy thus began. I'm sure. I declare, I dare say, my dear Lady Juliana, you must think we are all distracted. Her auditor made no attempt to contradict the supposition. We certainly ought to be sure to have been more cautious considering your delicate situation. But the joy, though indeed it seems cruel to say so, and I am sure you will sympathize, my dear niece, in the cause when you hear that it is occasioned by your poor neighbor McGlashan's death which I'm sure was quite unexpected. Indeed, I declare I can't conceive how it came about, for Lady Maclaughlan, who is an excellent judge of these things, thought he was really a remarkably stout-looking man for his time of life, and indeed, except occasional colds, which you know we are all subject to, I really never knew him complain. At the same time, I don't think, sister, you are taking the right method of communicating the intelligence to our niece, said Miss Jackie. You cannot communicate anything that would give me the least pleasure unless you could tell me that I was going to leave this place, cried Lady Juliana in a voice of deep despondency. Indeed, if it can afford your ladyship so much pleasure to be at liberty to quit the hospitable mansion of your amiable husband's respectable father, said Miss Jackie, with an inflamed visage and outspread hands, you are at perfect liberty to depart when you think proper. The generosity, I may say the munificence, of my excellent brother, has now put it in your power to do as you please, and to form your own plans. Oh, delightful! exclaimed Lady Juliana, starting up. Now I shall be quite happy. Where's Harry? Does he know? Is he gone to order the carriage? Can we get away today? And she was flying out of the room when Miss Jackie caught her by one hand while Miss Grizzy secured the other. Oh, pray, don't detain me. I must find Harry, and I have all my things to put up struggling to release herself from the grip of the sisters, when the door opened and Harry entered, eager yet dreading to know the effects of the eclaircissement. His surprise extreme at beholding his wife with her eyes sparkling, her cheeks glowing, and her whole countenance expressing extreme pleasure. Darting from her keepers, she bounded towards him with the wildest ejaculations of delight, while he stood alternately gazing at her and his aunts, 
seeking by his eyes the explanation he feared to demand. "'My dearest Juliana, what is the meaning of all this?' he at length articulated. "'Oh, you cunning thing! So you think I don't know that your father has given you a great, great quantity of money, and that we may go away whenever we please, and do just as we like, and live in London, and—and—oh, delightful!' and she bounded and skipped before the eyes of the petrified spinsters. "'In the name of heaven, what does all this mean?' asked Henry, addressing his aunts, who for the first time in their lives were struck dumb by astonishment. But Miss Jackie, at length recollecting herself, turned to Lady Juliana, who was still testifying her delight by a variety of childish but graceful movements, and thus addressed her. "'Permit me to put a few questions to your ladyship.' in presence of those who were witnessed of what has already passed. Oh, I can't endure to be asked questions. Besides, I have no time to answer them. Your ladyship must excuse me, but I can't permit you to leave this room under the influence of an error. Have the goodness to answer me the following questions, and you will then be at liberty to depart. Did I inform your ladyship that my brother had given my nephew a great quantity of money? Oh, yes, a great, great deal. I don't know how much, though. Did I? returned her interrogator. Come, come! Have done with all this confounded nonsense, exclaimed Henry passionately. Do you imagine I will allow Lady Juliana to stand here all day to answer all the absurd questions that come into the heads of three old women? You stupefy and bewilder her with your eternal tattling and roundabout harangues. And he paced the room in a paroxysm of rage, while his wife suspended her dancing and stood in breathless amazement. "'I declare, I'm sure, it's a thousand pities there should have been any mistake made,' whined poor Miss Grizzy. "'The only remedy is to explain the matter quickly,' observed Miss Nicky. "'Better late than never.' "'I have done,' said Miss Jackie, seating herself with much dignity. "'The short and the long of it is this,' said Miss Nicky. "'My brother has not made Henry a present of money.' I assure you money is not so rife, but he has done what is much better for you both. He has made over to him that fine thriving farm of poor Macloshans. No money? repeated Lady Juliana in a disconsolate tone, then quickly brightening up. It would have been better to be sure to have had the money directly, but you know we can easily sell the estate. How long will it take? A week? Sell Clackendow? exclaimed the three horror-struck daughters of the house of Douglas. "'Sell Clackendow? Oh, oh, oh! "'What else could we do with it?' inquired her ladyship. "'Live at it, to be sure,' cried all three. "'Live at it,' repeated she, with a shriek of horror that vied with that of the spinsters. "'Live at it? Live on a thriving farm? Live all my life in such a place as this? "'Oh, the very thought is enough to kill me!' "'There is no occasion to think or say any more about it,' interrupted Henry in a calmer tone, and glancing round on his aunts, "'I therefore desire no more may be said on the subject. "'And is this really all? "'And have you got no money? "'And are we not going away?' gasped the disappointed Lady Juliana, as she gave way to a violent burst of tears that terminated in a fit of hysterics, at sight of which the good spinsters entirely forgot their wrath, and while one burnt feathers under her nose and another held her hands, a third drenched her in floods of Lady Maclaughlan's hysteric water. After going through the regular routine, 
the lady's paroxysm subsided and being carried to bed she soon sobbed herself into a feverish slumber in which state the harassed husband left her to attend a summons from his father End of chapter eleven recording by patty cunningham